Welcome back, ladies, to another episode. We are so, so excited about this one. I feel like I say that about every episode, but it, it is true. Today, we are talking about the sister wound. And this might be foreign language to you. This might be something you've been hearing a lot of. Um, either way, we want to get into it because it is very real. We all have experienced this at one point or another in our lives. We might be experiencing it right now. We might be healing from it right now, but it's a really important topic that we want to discuss because a lot of what ends up happening within our relationships with other women affect our marital relationship and things can actually be projected within that because usually our relationships as we grow up, they don't start romantically. They start in sisterhood. They start in friendships. And so we, when we go into this, we're going to give an understanding of what the sisterhood wound is or the sister wound is. I've heard both terms used. We're going to talk about how you may have developed a sister wound. We're going to talk about what side effects look like. And then we're going to talk about um, how to heal it and what signs of healing looks like. So we're going to kind of walk you guys through this. We think this is really important, especially to bring on the podcast because our relationships with each other are everything. And as we're coming out of, you know, the conversations of the masculine feminine and our menstrual cycle and the power we hold as women and what we can magnetize, our society today has truly demonized women and pitted us against each other when history shows that women, when we have collectively joined together and championed one another, that is where we are the strongest. That is where we are the healthiest. And that's where we can actually have really beautiful marriages and cycles. And mm. just, we flourish when we actually can be there for each other. So let's yeah. jump in. It's so good. And your cycles can even match up and sync up with other women when you're in close relationship and proximity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a testament to the, what you're talking about, that traditionally yeah. women lived in communities with other women. We raised yeah. our children in close communities with other women. We saw our sisters and our friends breastfeeding and pregnant or nurturing or giving birth or raising yeah. toddlers we're disciplining children and we did not have the kind of isolated society we have now that mm -hmm. does a lot of damage. And I think really is one of the main drivers for the mental health crises we're seeing yes. among women and the isolation we're seeing and the postpartum, you know, mental health disorders we're seeing, like we were never meant to mother or really even live in isolation as humans, yeah. we need community. And it can be really difficult on the same side to find women that you trust, that line up with you, that have the same core values as you, or the same sense of humor or interests. Not that yeah. they have to check all the boxes, but to find those true friends that you really jive and connect with as adults can, or as mothers, even more mm -hmm. so can be so difficult to find. Yeah, You know, it's not like it was when we were in middle school and like <laughs> we could make friends on the playground. I mean, <laughs> my kids literally will make a new friend in like point 
five seconds yes. <laughs> at yeah. the playground. And my <laughs> 10 year old runs up to me. It's like, mom, mom, this is my friend. I got her number. Can we have a sleepover? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, it's like, we really should take notes. From I know. Like, my, my, my seven-year-old comes home from summer camp with like seven new best friends. I'm like, right. If only it were that easy for us yeah. adult women. Yeah. <laughs> like those but the we know the, the truth is, is that it can be that easy. We just have sister wounds. Yeah. That's really yeah. it. You know? Boom. Yeah. Where are these women yeah. hanging out? Like we need, but <laughs> this is, it takes work. That's all I'm it saying. Does. It's like it takes it does. way more intentionality and work as yeah. adults to go out there, to disrupt your routine, to take time away from your family and your kids and, or the, your to-do list. And go spend time or put the effort and time and energy into even looking for that group of women you may connect with, let alone developing that relationship. And so, you know, it's definitely a spot. I think we're in different places with this because you have such a beautiful community in San Diego. I'm I'm a little jealous because you are so much of a social butterfly. Bethany will get along with anybody and everybody and become your best friend. If you know her, you love her. (laughs) It's true. Don't, don't blush. It is totally true. You're like the kind of person that lights up a room and like make friends with everybody. Not, not even exaggerating you guys like love her to death. One of my favorite people on this planet. And and I, I am a really good friend. I know that mm-hmm. I'm a really loyal friend. I'm also in a season of my life where we moved out of state mm-hmm. from New York to South Carolina a year and a half ago. And it's been a real challenge to find close friends in my mm-hmm. local community. And I do have some amazing friends and we have an amazing community at church, but it hasn't felt like the community and the deep sisterhood that I had at other points in my life, even in where I used to live in New York. You know, we, Bethany and I used to get together. We were just talking about this and have spirit nights. We would have, you know, get togethers and we would have our group of friends come over and we'd pray for one another. And we would, you know, it was over each other. other. Oh my gosh. It was a blast. We were just like reminiscing the other day and how, I think those friendships are even more like deep when you invite God into them. Yeah. And when you're not just like at church or potluck, you know, or something like, or a women's event. Yeah. Like like a, or a Bible study where there's an agenda, not that there's anything wrong with that, but like when you really connect in the spirit and there's a, Mm. the spirit is present, like the Holy spirit the motherhood of God, like the supernatural, you know, and there is a spirit heart to heart connection there where you get to see God move. You get to see God answer prayers for each other. You get to pray for one another. You get to intercede. You get to, you know, help them with their marriage struggles or their Mm -hmm. parenting dilemmas, or you get to share about the new outfit you just bought, you know, And, and those are the kind of friendships that, you know, when they can walk with you, not just through the good, but through the hard and the trials and be a strength to you and strengthen your relationship with God and encourage you and build you up. Those are the kind of friendships we need to be looking for. Yeah. And that takes a lot of work. It does take work and it takes intentionality. And that's, you know, I have like a core group of friends and these are the people that I pour my energy into outside of my family. And that did not happen by just 
going out to a couple of drinks and calling it, you know, like once a month that took scheduling and being there, like showing up with, you know, a smoothie and medicine when a friend is sick, you know, voice memoing and saying, Hey, I miss you after a couple of days of not seeing them or hearing from them and saying, I love you. How are you? You know, how are you doing? Talking about the hard stuff, praying with them saying, guys, I like, I have a group chat group chat with my girls. And if there's something going on, we are all one of the first to know it's like, Hey guys, I I need prayer for this right now. I need you to like intercede for me or my family or whatever. And we are on top of it. So it's not, and it's not a one-way relationship. Those do not work Mm -hmm. (laughs) when it comes to friendships. They will fizzle out very quickly. And I guarantee you those will produce sister wounds to actually happen because there's neglect there. There's resentment. Resentment. There's a feeling of like, oh, am I not good enough? Do they not like me? Like, am I too much for them? So then you start getting self-deprecating and it just gets nasty. So I want to get into this, but you know, I think we should start with just understanding what a sister wound is. And a lot of the times this can start from when we're kids, toddlers, even seeing somebody like, have you ever seen your kid pushed to the ground by another kid? And you're like, huh? Oh my gosh, how could you? Or maybe your kid was the one who did the pushing, you know? Right, right. And you're like, and you know, for Karen and I, we both have we we have girls, so we can, you know, relate to this. But at a young age, sister wounds can be developed by the mother, by other sisters, or by friends. And you'll see it develop where actions become thoughts and thoughts become meaning. And so those meanings create the sister wound that we've all some at some point experienced. Yeah. And it can be when, when those wounds are rooted in like our early childhood, it forms this like subconscious way that we view life mm-hmm. and it creates these, we, we create these walls and so, these ways that we self-protect and yes. It's a coping mechanism. It's a reaction to the pain or the hurt that we experienced yeah. as kids. And we don't even realize it, but as adults, we push people away. We yes. we keep people at arm's length. You know, we mm-hmm. we hold our heart back. And as a result, we feel lonely or we struggle with depression. And it's like a catch-22 because the wound and the barriers, the self-protection keep people out because of fear. But then we are also suffering on the other side to feeling lonely or abandoned or, you know, like there's no one you can turn to. And so that's one of the signs that you may have a sister wound. Um, And that really is actually applicable to any kind of wound, a mother wound, a father wound, like Mm -hmm. any kind of trauma or abuse or pain in your life as humans, we tend to self-protect and it is a coping mechanism that is helpful at that time to protect us from getting hurt repeatedly or by that same person in that same way. But we have to then do the healing work to take, to allow that pain to be felt and released. Yes. Acknowledging that pain is like the most, the hardest part really yes. like 50% of it. I feel like the work, the shadow work, whether you call it shadow work or inner healing or so yeah. or whatever, it's all the it's, same. It's just acknowledging, Oh yeah, this 
this wound came in, this pain came in Mm -hmm. when this happened. And I'm acknowledging that. And I'm going to show empathy to myself, to my inner child. And then we do the healing work of taking it down. When we experience pain, like what Karen was talking about, and we don't heal that. And like what I was saying is the meaning that comes behind it. We start to energetically pull in relationships that look familiar to that wound to those Mm. things that we are hurt by. So whether it was rejection, whether it was jealousy, whatever those things are, you will unconsciously be magnetizing jealous relationships, relationships that have a lot of gossip, relationships that, you know, tend to be really heated and angry. And those friendships, you're like, like, I can never make a friend. So those Mm. things keep being reinstated and it's only reinforcing that belief that you are not worthy of love. There's no good people out there. There's no women that you could connect with. I never connect with women. So whatever lie that is being replayed over and over and over in your head is just getting reinforced as we move forward. So long as your sister wound is not healed, it makes it this like egocentric part of ourselves that as adults, we don't even realize we have because it's just saying it's creating the lies and perpetuating lies over and over that we're not complete, we're not good enough, we must put down or step on other women to be seen. Like these things are a part of what a sister wound looks and feels like. And those are just lies that we continue to believe. And listen, I've said this before, but the enemy is lazy. So if he can keep you in the state of lies of these lies and disbeliefs that he doesn't even have to work for because you're on the hamster wheel already, easy peasy, baby. Like it's, it's isolating you. It's making you feel like shit. And it's like, you're alone. Right? So this is why the sister wound is so, so, so important that we recognize it and that we heal it so we can actually have relationship again. Yeah. That's so well said. It's, I think what you mentioned this, but it really comes from feeling unsafe in our relationships. And Mm -hmm. when there are wounds or betrayals or someone's gossiping about you or someone rejects you, it creates this feeling like it's not safe for me to show up authentically as who I am. Yeah. Or I have to become someone that will be accepted. Yeah. Or I have to compete with other women. Yeah. I have to be the one on top. I have to be the one that's, you know, winning or seen. Or if they're winning, I'm losing. You know, that right. competition is one of the signs that you may have a sister wound. And it's really a manifestation of insecurity. Yes. It's an insecurity yeah. that I'm not good enough. So I have to I've prove- absolutely had that. Have you had that? I had the other side of it, of the rejection and trying to Mm. prove myself or like fawn, you know, there's, Mm. I think there's different ways it manifests. And so there's the sense of like what you're talking about, like, oh, I have to compete and be, you know, prove that I'm good enough and, Mm. and shine and put other people down so that I can rise up. Whereas mine was like this void or vacancy in me that Mm -hmm. I didn't feel good enough. I didn't feel worthy of, you know, friendship or to in who I was, I didn't feel confident enough in who I was. And so I would Mm -hmm. chase friendships. I would Mm -hmm. chase or feel desperate or like, 
almost, and I think this was actually part of the root of some of the codependency I had to address in my life was this fawning behavior. And that's another way. Can you just give a definition of fawning? So for those who've never heard of that. Fawning is a response to trauma. It's one of the ways that like trauma will, that you can respond to trauma or abuse. And it's, it's part of the fight, flight, or freeze design. So when you experience stress and your cortisol rises or you're experiencing abuse or mistreatment, the responses are, you're going to fight like engage that would be like the competition I'm better than you like I'm gonna fight and prove that's Bethany's pointing <laughs> that's to herself high. like that's that's high I'm the problem, the problem me. Me. <laughs> yep. so there's the fight flight would be mean yeah. you run away like get mm-hmm. to safety fight flight freeze would mean you actually freeze up that's another trauma response and you basically are in shock and you yeah. can sh- freeze or disassociate from your body and fawning is the fourth response to trauma that we often don't hear about. And right. that is chasing after someone that's over complimenting someone like, oh, mm-hmm. gushing over something. Like, have you ever met a girl that was just like super syrupy, sweet and complimenting everybody and almost to the point that it makes you feel uncomfortable. That's yeah. fawning. That's mm. fawning. It's this energy that's like, oh, I'm I'm like sucking for some attention mm. and add, and I'm going to over love you. Not, but it's not the pure agape love. It is like a desperate love. It's a, right. it's a, I need to be affirmed and accepted. And so in order to get what I need, I'm going to fawn and like grovel at your feet and over compliment and chase and, mm. and, you know, work hard and try to be and put on a persona or dress a certain way. And we do this with men and it's often a response to narcissistic abuse or, or abuse in romantic relationships, but it can also be a manifestation in friendships that we Mm. fawn over friendships, or we have this like desperate energy. And I think I had that a lot in my childhood growing up when I had this like fear of rejection and my fear of rejection and that fawning behavior. I don't think I was fawning so much then but I was definitely projecting the energy of rejection and inviting rejection in because mm-hmm. I believed I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me. And that energy in me attracted more rejection. Like it mm-hmm. actually created the situations where I was being rejected by mm. friends, friendships over and over and over again, or even being bullied. And I think wow. bullies pick up on that frequency. Yeah. Of, like someone who is trying to compete and be better than and prove that they're better in that way, like that you would that you would identify more with, yeah. would then pick up on the energy of someone who is fawning or desperate and actually start bullying them. Mm. And so you see those energies I'd play out. I never bully you, Karen. <laughs> I know you would have, <laughs> you're too nice. You're too nice. <laughs> what if we were in high school and you were the bully and I was the, no, like, I've the nerd? I've never been a bully. I was Good. never a bully. Yeah. That's great. I'm so my, I can't all imagine. Of my, you like, um, competition was internal. It was never external. I would never, you would have never even thought I was in competition. And I don't even know if that's the right word. I think I had a lot of jealousy. I think my jealousy was like, oh, this person is here and I'm not there. And that makes me weaker then. So Hmm. I would fight with that, you know, like internally. And it took me a long time to get to an authentic place of celebration 
for other women. And sometimes I'll even have it now, like it'll, she'll, she'll show up every once in a while. And I have to like address her and be like, this is not stop. There is no competition here. There is enough. Mm. There is enough wins in the world, in the universe for us Mm. to pull from that I can win and she can win and you can win and they can win. And it's like, Mm. we have to stop thinking in such a limited mentality of what is for us and what isn't because what was for another woman, had I been given the same thing, I probably would have been crushed by it, annoyed by it, whatever. It it wouldn't have lasted. It would have burned out quicker. We just have to recognize that it's all energy. So what are, what are we producing with it? If it's, and if it's not authentic, I can guarantee you it's not lasting, you know? That is so good. I love that you refer to her, that tendency, that temptation to compete or to be jealous as her. Like it's this separate part of your personality. Not that it's like, oh, I'm not going to take responsibility for it. And I'm going to pretend like that's not me. Like it is a part of us, but there are parts of us. And like, I love that distinction that you're like, oh, what is she doing here? Yeah. Um, No, I don't know. I don't need to compete with her. (laughs) I don't need to compete. Thank you. You can, you can leave now. Like, I love that that recognition is like, because otherwise, what do we do? Especially as Christians, we go, oh, I'm feeling jealousy in my heart. I I have to feel bad and guilty and ashamed. And and we go into this shame spiral instead of simply recognizing, oh, the temptation to be jealous just came up in me. Yes. And I can say, oh, there she is again. I know you, right? We Mm -hmm. know that voice. We know that we are very familiar with her and we can simply dismiss her and say, no, thank you. I'm not going to agree with you. Yes. And that I have to compete with this person, or I'm not going right. to agree with you, and that I have to chase this person to get some form of acceptance right. that I already have in Jesus. Yes, because it's not our highest self speaking. That is yeah. not the highest vibrational self of me speaking. That is my ego speaking. And so when we can actually remove, like when we can actually understand that I am not my thoughts and my thoughts are not me, then we can actually separate them and be like, my highest self does not accept what she is projecting based off of her insecurities, her fears, her doubts, her pride, whatever it is. It's like, that's why we like, when we can consciously separate the two, we can overcome it. Yeah. And she's always going to be hanging around. She's always going to try to sneak her way in and disrupt and cause conflict and insecurity and all of that. Like, it's not like she's going to just completely disappear from our life and never be tempted again or ever think a bad thought again. Yeah. But there is a sense of like, I am better than that. Mm-hmm. I don't have to entertain that. I don't have to identify with that anymore. Right. And that's, yes. I think, where we where we get tripped up as Christian women is that we begin, we think that our thoughts or our actions are who we are. That right. Because I thought this or did this or said this, that means I am a jealous person. That means I am right. insecure. That means I am a bad Christian. Mm-hmm. And we identify who we are with the action or the thought or the belief when it really is separate. And we have the power to Mm -hmm. choose who we are going to be like, no, I actually, this is my highest self. And I'm going to dismiss this voice 
or this thought or temptation that wants me to act in a way that is lesser than who I am. So I love this verse uh, from 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Mm. Talk about taking captive your thoughts. Yeah. Like the, the ability to discern between this is me, this is my highest self. Yeah. And this is not me. And sometimes that thought you're entertaining is that part of you that wants to be jealous or angry and secure or one up somebody. Sometimes it's not even a part of you. It's a familiar spirit Mm -hmm. that is whispering to you. Right. And you get to choose who are you going to listen to? Yeah. And that's really, I think, a sign of maturity as growing past those fears, those wounds, those self-protective mechanisms, you know, and finding where the healing needs to come in. Yeah. Where the love needs to come in, where the love is that we didn't get that causes us to want to compete or show up or gossip or because all of that is coming from a place of fear and insecurity. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's the fear that we're not good, that we're not good enough and we're not worthy to be loved. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So now that we understand like what a sister wound even looks like when we're, when it comes to ourselves, gossip that can happen, the being at odds with other women, jealousy, even like, I don't even think we talked about this, like body image issues and Mm -hmm. eating. That's one that when I discovered that I was like, oh, damn, that is a big one. You know, when we think about social media, when we think about what is constantly projected to us as like, what's right, what's wrong, what's healthy, what's not healthy, what your body should look like, what it shouldn't look like, and what we, uh, how we objectify women you know, and how we sexualize, over-sexualize women. And so then when we look at ourselves and we're like, wait, I don't look like that 100% of the time. I don't even look like that 50% of the time. Is that okay? We go into self-deprecating mode and it's like so bad. So like when we see all of this, how do we actually heal a sister wound? And this first one, I just think is, it's probably one of the biggest keys, which is spending time with other women. (laughs) Like Mm. it's actually doing the opposite because I think the sister wound will reject as much time as possible with women. So like when we're experiencing a sister wound, it is the easiest to isolate ourselves from other women because of the fear of rejection or the judgment we feel like it tends to be very self-centered for reasons why. And we make up reasons why we won't spend time with women, our schedules are too busy. I have X, Y, and Z going on, whatever. But the thing is, is that the when you spend time with women, with other women, with like-minded women, which I think is a really key point here too, is that you have the opportunity to heal within that space. And this comes with some boundaries because we're not just saying, go out to lunch, have brunch with your girlfriends. No, no, no. We're saying like, open up. We're saying, talk about your shit with each other, get vulnerable, 
that is where healing happens within spending time with other women. Yeah. Yeah. We're not saying get together and just gossip or get drunk no. or, you know, we're seeing the opposite of that. Yeah. Don't like gossip. actually <laughs> open up your heart and like yeah. face that pain and, and connect at that deep soul level. And that can yeah. be really scary, but also really healing. And I think yes. you're right. Like, I think truly a lot of the healing from the sister wound is, in opening ourselves up again to friendship and that can feel very exposing because we've built up our walls to keep us safe or we're only if we do enter these friendships or you know maybe we put subconscious limitations on it well I'm not going to go out or I'm I don't have the time or the energy or I'm only going to share this much about who I am you know and, and it can be hard to break through some of those walls but when you find those women that you know, you really connect with it. It's worth it to do that. And I I think you'll learn really quickly too. You'll know if they're safe or not. We're not saying like meet a girl at, you know, one time at church or out the park and then spill your guts to her. Obviously like vet people and that would be fawning yes <laughs> yes like, yeah when you're over <laughs> yeah here's my yeah. whole life story or maybe they just they have no filter <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> which I mean like I I'm a girly that loves to go deep quick but yeah. also I know like who I can be vulnerable with I think there's a difference when we think there's of wisdom, vulnerability yeah, yeah mm-hmm. there's and there's a difference between like sharing information that I'm just like, yeah, I'm an open book versus Mm -hmm. somebody that I'm being vulnerable with. And I'm saying, hi, I'm inviting you into this space so you can hold space for me and either give me wisdom in return, like pray for me, have like actually take my emotions, my information I'm giving you, my story and do something with it versus Mm -hmm. somebody who you're just you know, they're like a wall and you're just talking to it. There's a big difference between those friendships. Yeah. And I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about, but (laughs) yeah. 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 We have to like carry the conversation entirely. (laughs) Yeah. There's there's just like sharing and being vulnerable and offering yourself to someone Mm -hmm. and they're not offering themselves back. Yeah. They're not witnessing you in that place. And that can be really painful, but that's also just another sign to go, well, this isn't my person. Right. And that's okay. Cause not everybody is supposed to be your person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're yeah. not all supposed to be close friends. And yeah, you know, and I think you'll ha- go through seasons too. Yeah. You know, sometimes you'll have a friend that's closer to you than another yeah. friend. And that's okay too. Yeah. I've heard I heard it said once, and I might butcher the saying, but this was really I thought it was really true. They they said there are some friends that are there for a season, some friends mm-hmm. that are there for um, it was like a purpose or like a a reason, a, time. a season, a yeah, a reason, a season, or like for a lifetime, like yeah. the friends that are there for life. Yeah, and there are definitely I think that helps for someone who has struggled like me with codependency to know. And identify that this person is a friend for a season and I don't need to take it personally when that season ends, it makes it a lot easier to grieve that season being over and know they were there for a season or a reason, but they're not a lifelong friend. That doesn't mean I cut off communication with them, but I'm not going to continually invest in someone when that season has ended. I might still 
reconnect if we're in the same town. And I have a lot of friends like that, that have come and gone and yeah. we're still on great terms. It's not like there's anything yeah. wrong, but I'm just not actively investing time and energy into that friendship because that season has passed, right. but it makes it a lot easier to grieve and separate yourself and your identity from the fact that that friendship is ending. Right. And I think that's really important to to do because these triggers come up in us and recognizing when these triggers come up and what they're saying about us is, I think, a really important key to our healing to know, like, why is this bothering me so much? Why am I yes. so annoyed by this girl? Or why yes. does this, you know, or why did it when this friend did something? Why did that hurt me so deeply? Right. You know, what am I attaching to this friendship? Yeah. You know? And there's a lot of interesting, I think, reflections that we can gain from our female friendships. I think there's also a lot to be said about when there's people that annoy you or that you have judgments towards. Mm. And especially like when we're judging women for their self-expression or we're judging them for their success or we're judging them for their, you know, expressing or being seen and, and, you know, or making a lot of money or having a great marriage or, or, you know, wearing clothing that's attractive or sensual, Mm -hmm. like we have these judgments in us that come up. And oftentimes they're connected to wounds where we didn't feel seen, we didn't feel heard, we didn't feel valued. And so we're projecting that onto other women when they step into their fullest self-expression, particularly. Uh, Yeah, I can almost guarantee you there's women that even look at our stuff on her sacred sexuality and feel that exact thing because it's triggering something like that in them, you know, like that sister wound of like anger or like, how could they have a platform for this, for like Christian women? They're looking at it from a sense of, of jealousy, like, oh, yeah, might've beaten them to the punch or whatever. And going back to that, just understanding like, your highest self versus your ego and your ego is not you. It's just another person in the room that has Mm. been wounded and hurt and wants a voice. And so until you process through that, because some of this stuff is going to be you, you alone with a journal, with questions, and you're, you're healing that stuff. It might be you and the therapist. It might be you and your friend that really hurt you that you're still in relationship with, but you don't know why, like there's going to, it's going to look different for different situations, different seasons and different people. But when you start taking ownership and control over the meaning behind these things and these emotions and situations that have affected you that have made you think like the worst of other women, you are actually taking back what the enemy has wanted to take from you this whole time. Yeah. And you can't receive the blessing that 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 girl's walking in or the freedom that she's walking in until you release the judgment toward her. Yeah. Yep. Like if I'm jealous of someone or I'm triggered by someone in their self-expression or their freedom, I can't receive the blessing I can't receive that in my life if I'm judging her. Yeah. Or that blessing wasn't even for you. Yours looks totally different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that's the, that's the beauty of it is like, whatever is for somebody else was never meant for you in the first place. Your blessing looks 
and will feel completely different. Like jealousy is not a part of your blessing, you know? Mm, And so when you can like eradicate that from your heart and from your thinking and how you think, like those things will start to actually become really distasteful. Like when you hear gossip, you'll be like, this isn't it. The group of friends that I have, the six of us, I would almost say like never gossip about each other because it's just we just love each other. And sure, we'll voice concern sometimes of like, hey, how do you think she's doing? Like, is she okay? Oh, I wish she would take some time off for herself. Or like, oh man, I know she's working so hard. Like maybe there's something we can do to like help, you know? Yeah. But when it comes to gossip, I haven't been around that in years. And thank Jesus for that because I think it really upsets me how much, and I wasn't really aware of this until we started talking about doing this episode, how much TV and social media perpetuates the sister wound and they glorify it. You name a show and I can tell you there are so many sister wound here, sister wounds here that it's just disgusting or like that. It's just being reinstated yeah. over and over and over it again. It creates drama. Like, of oh course, I mean, it's on yeah. every bachelor or like sitcom or reality TV show. Like it's just sister yeah. wound galore and insecurity galore. And mm-hmm. I can't even watch a lot of those shows <laughs> Like, okay, I feel like I'm back in, yeah. back in, in, you know, junior high or something. Yeah. And, and that jealousy and gossip. Um, and I think, you know, I've learned this too, that like, if someone, if a friend is gossiping to you about other women, she's gossiping to other women about you. Bingo. Yep. Don't think you're immune. Don't you think not. you're the girl <laughs> that doesn't get funny you about are. It. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And it's That's so it's definitely true. something to keep in mind that there are women and people that attract that and that project yes. that because yeah. it, it's that need to feel validated. And if I tear someone else down, I'm going to feel better about myself. And I've been friends with those people. And it took me a long time to realize that this is actually toxic and that I was not immune to being gossiped about. And, you know, it's been uh, quite the journey I've been on as an adult. It's always had very deep friendships, not like huge circles of friends, but I've always had that tight knit group of women. And when we moved everything, all my friendships shifted. And Mm. I walked through some very painful situations. You know, we went through a lot of pain with when my husband and I separated, when COVID hit and when friendships dissolved, there was a lot that happened like all at once. And I came to this, I had to go through this process of like breaking off codependency in every relationship of my life, not just with my husband, but with my friendships. And I realized many at least some of them were actually toxic. Like this is not actually a person that deeply cares about me or is going to be walking with me through Mm -hmm. the hard things. Right. They might be there for the good or they might be there for like, you know, certain advice, but there they couldn't hold space for me when I really needed it. And I'm actually really, I have so much grace and for so many people that I think it took me so long to realize this. And also because I'm often often the one 
who's holding space for other women. I'm often Mm -hmm. the one that's like, I'll help you heal. I'll help you process. I'm actually very skilled at helping women move from a place of pain or wounding into freedom and healing. And I have honed those skills. I am an incredible friend, a loyal friend, and a a really good coach. And I can get you some serious breakthroughs, but I was not letting anyone into my inner circle that was able or willing to hold space for me. And so Mm -hmm. I put up walls to that. And then when I walked through these friendships that had been very close friends for years, and I realized like, like the veil kind of comes off your eyes and you're like, wow, this person is not fighting for my friendship the way that I'm fighting for our friendship. Right. It's not, it's not the same. It's not like a mutual investment. This is lopsided and I'm chasing after something because I'm actually deeply afraid of being rejected again. Mm. And it triggered this rejection wound and kept me in this cycle of codependency and need. And when I realized that I was like, Oh my gosh, I had to cut it off. And then I had to grieve. So like, if you've ever experienced a friendship that ends, it can be all encompassing. It can feel like really deeply hurtful. And I think the ones that sting the most are the ones that trigger our deepest wounds. Yeah. It's not even the friend. It's the fact that she has triggered a deeper wound in you that is reminding you of what you experienced when you were five or 10 or seven. Right. And you had that rejection wound happen the first time. So we're deeply afraid of that repeating and we'll do anything to avoid that pain, but it's all subconscious. We don't even realize we're doing things that are fawning or codependent or jealous or, you know, you know, gossipy or creating divisiveness, all of those situations. And so I, I went through this process of grieving, but in the same process, I also learned to love myself and accept myself. And Mm -hmm. I decided I am no longer available for friendships that are not emotionally available for me. I am no longer participating in friendships where I am giving more than I am receiving. I have to chase you and, and pursue you, but I don't feel pursued that there's not the same level of interest or investment, you know, in the relationship. And it really helped me get clear about what I'm available for and what I'm not available for. Mm. And I'm telling you, that was actually like just as much of a breakthrough for me than as it was like, as I was walking out, reconciling with my husband, because I was able to take back my power, not just there, but in every area of life, in yeah. every relationship. And that need to feel validated or accepted by people was suddenly not there anymore. And I became yeah. like the owner of my own worthiness and acceptance. Right. And right. I'm now grounding it in Jesus. And I know who I am. I know I am a valuable friend. I know I have yeah. so much to offer. And so that grief process was like such a profound journey. And even though it was so painful to walk through that, it's almost like a breakup. Like for those of yeah. you who've, no, who've it lost is. friends, it's like yeah. a breakup. Like you go through that in middle school and you're like all emotional, but it's like, it can have a similar effect on us as, as women when that sister wound uh, is there or it's happening in real time. 
and we have to learn how to process it. And I didn't want to become cold. I could feel that temptation to like Mm -hmm. become cold and hardened toward friendship. And I just, you know, in this journey, I just kind of said to God, like, I'm available. Like I am open. I am ready for friends to come into my life. And then there was like this season where I was like, okay, now I actually have to go out there and find them. Like they weren't just showing up on my doorstep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) hi Karen, how are you? Hey, here's a casserole. Welcome. Yeah. I have to, I yeah. have to do the dang work. I have to go out there yeah. and put myself out there too. Like they don't always just show up on your doorstep. So it's quite the journey as adults, I think, to navigate these things. And but there's such a um a gift, and that's what I was coming to was realizing like that this friend who we walked through this ending of our relationship, and I realized all of the anger and the bitterness and the confusion and the rejection I was feeling. Once I reached the other side of that and was able to grieve, grieve and take back my power, I realized she gave me one of the greatest gifts in the world. Like Mm. she gave me the gift of knowing that I can say no, that I can, that I am worthy of love and friendship. And I don't have to settle just like you don't have to settle with a guy. You don't have to settle with friends who are not. Yeah true friends who are only going to take from you and not and not walk with you or not really hold space for you and love you during the hard times or sacrifice for you or they're going to show up for you even when they lose you know when it's a sacrifice for them like those are the friendships I'm available for now like the ones yeah that are the lifelong friends and also I can acknowledge like that was a friend for a season right you know yeah and, Even and if that's it was like, a 10 year season, yeah. that's still a season. You know, I think a lot of think people think like, oh, well, you know, we've, we've known each other for this long. And it's like, that's okay. Like you still yeah. have this, this much life yeah. in front of you and it doesn't have to look like a breakup. You know, you don't have to go to them and say, okay, I'm no longer your friend. Like a lot of the times <laughs> friendships don't break up that way. You know, yeah, it doesn't like, have to be dramatic. It can no. just be like, there are times too, when you, when you grow apart, I think yes. I will say like, I think oftentimes when we get the most hurt is when we're mistaking a seasoned friend for a lifetime, lifelong friend. Definitely. And yeah. so when that season is over, if we're still clinging to them, because we think they're a lifelong friend, or we somehow are, are afraid of what it means about us, if we're rejected and that friendship ends, then it becomes unhealthy and toxic. Right, right. Or there's yeah. the friends that you simply are actually growing beyond who you were when you were friends with them. Right, and or you when you first walk... became friends. Yeah, yeah. and, and it, it's almost incongruent with who you are to continue walking in a close relationship with them because you have matured beyond them. Yes. Or you're, you've grown in ways where you can't relate to them anymore. And yeah. you've grown apart, like in your ideologies, in your belief systems, or in your yeah. spiritual walk, or in your season that maybe you have kids and they don't have kids or vice versa. Yeah. Um, and so there's lots of seasons where sometimes the friendship isn't doesn't necessarily need to like end abruptly, but yeah. you will find that you're growing in ways that are different and going a different path than your friends. And that can be hard to accept. But I think when we embrace the grief, the process, and we can grieve the friendship, like it was a relationship, like it was somebody that died, not that they died, but we're grieving and remembering all the good times we have with them. We're accepting that and we're able to release and let them go. Yeah. That can be powerful. Yeah. And I also want to just 
make sure we state this clearly. Like we're not saying that if you had an argument with your friend and you're not willing to address it or work through it and you just ignore it, that that was a seasonal friend. Like you need to deal. (laughs) Sometimes you need to fight for your friendship. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, is that when in any relationship, when there is a disagreement or an argument and you can lovingly talk to them and work through something that actually strengthens your bond that strengthens the relationship. That is also a big part, I believe of a sister wound where we think that if somebody has offended us, if somebody close to me has offended me, we write them off. But that means like, yeah, they weren't for me. It's like, no, 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 baby. We have to make sure we're showing up to the relationship in the best way possible. Just how like in a marriage, if your husband upsets you or offends you, you're going to let him know. And you're going to say, Hey, I don't like how I'm being treated right now. Or I was hurt when you did such and such. I actually have an amazing example of this happening to one of my best friends. She is one of those lifelong friends. We've been best friends since we were 16. She lives in Florida. We, We haven't lived in the same place since we were like 19 years old. And I think it was last year Last year, I'd been wanting her to come out so much. Like I I just wanted her to come and visit me because I had been visiting her every year. And so we would always be like, okay, come visit. And then it would fall through, come visit, it would fall through. And finally, la- last year, she was like, okay, we're going to come for, cri- or for Thanksgiving. I was like, great, I'm so excited. And then like she she bailed on me. And it was, you know, there were obvious reasons for it, you know, financially, all this stuff, but she, she sent it in a text and the year before she was supposed to come and went to another place, went to another state with some other friends. And in that I felt rejected Mm -hmm. and I didn't tell her about it at that time. So two years prior thinking that she would make up for it the next year. And then those plans fell through for very valid reasons. But that was kind of like my last straw. And I was like, Mm. okay. And I didn't respond. I didn't respond to the text and she never checked in and I kept not responding. And I would say seven months went by. And mind you, like, we don't talk like every day or every week, You probably talk, talk like once a month kind of a thing. So that's a pretty long time to go without like catching up, seeing how we're doing all this stuff. And God just, you know, I, I was tired of carrying the energetic weight of my own doing and of my own pain. Cause she didn't do anything. You know, she told me, she was like, I'm sorry, we can't do it. I, my heart's broken. I'm really torn up about it. And I was the one to choose not to respond. You know, I was the one to put that wall up and not have the hard conversation that I knew I needed to have because, but what ended, what that ended up doing was creating more energetic weight on me throughout those seven months, because we just, the void kept building and building and that tension kept growing and I couldn't ignore it anymore. And so I voice memoed her. I didn't call her because I knew I wasn't going to be able to get it out. Right. And I didn't text her because I knew she deserved more than a text. And so I probably sent a six minute voice memo. And I was like, listen, I'm, I'm sorry. I have not gotten back to you. 
but I was really hurt. And these are the things that kind of led to the the demise of my broken heart for our relationship. And she didn't respond that day. I think she responded the next day, but you know, she broke down. She started crying. She was like, I've missed you. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry that I didn't check back in. And you know, it, then boom, we're right back to where we are. And it's like, sometimes it just takes us just the ability to be a little vulnerable and say, I was hurting. And when we, when women can tap into other women intuitively, emotionally, we want to heal each other. When we become vulnerable to each other, when we open up, when we're in a healthy state, I guarantee you, your friend just wants to love you again. Yeah, it's so true. There are definitely friends like that where it's like, you know what? I know I haven't talked to them all year or in two months, but when we get together, man, I miss you. Like, man, like I love you and I'm going to fight for you. This is a friendship worth fighting for. And then there's the friends where that, where that season closes. And you know, I think it's almost like for your own good, you need to move forward, you know, without them and be willing to let them go and having the wisdom to know which is which is so important. Oh my gosh. I totally agree. I want to say like, it can also be hard sometimes to decipher, like, am I closed off to friendships and sisters and love, or is this a healthy boundary that I need to put up? Yeah. And sometimes that is like really hard to decipher. Like, am I reacting out of my own pain and judgment and putting up an unhealthy wall? Or is this a healthy boundary because this friendship is toxic or no longer serving me? Or I have to be somebody that I don't like in order to be friends with you. And I think that's kind of the question to ask is like, who do I have to be in order to be your friend? Can I be Mm. my most true, authentic self with you? And if the answer is yes, but there's, there may be fear, there may be wounds, there may be offenses there, like with the case with your friend, like, but once you clear those away and you both show up vulnerably and you cry and you, you know, you put yourself out there and you are received by that person and you know that I can be my most authentic, vulnerable self and show up and I will be accepted and received. That's a friendship to fight for. But if you put yourself out there and you don't feel heard or received, and there's constantly walls, because we can run into our friends' walls too. And then we can keep hitting into them, or we can keep trying to break through, or it can bring up the worst in us. And if we feel like we have to change who we are in order to be accepted by them, that is not a friendship that's going to serve you moving forward. And that's with the asterisk of you have done the work. Like you have gotten to a healthy place and you know what emotional health looks like. That's really important to state there is that because you might think it's your authentic self, but you might be the problem. Yeah, you know, (laughs) for sure. So it's like, and it's coming. Yes. Yeah. It's coming from the filter of like your, you've been working on this. That's why that shadow work, that inner healing is so important because once you do that, you're, you've exposed yourself. So yeah. you know what triggers you already have. Now it's time to kind of 
go through your friendships and see the ones there and they're going to show up. They're going to be highlighted. It's going to be pretty obvious. I think from that point of knowing "Mm, this isn't the friendship that (laughs) that I'm willing to invest in anymore, you know? Yes. Yes. And I will say like you, if you haven't put your neck out there and shown up in vulnerability and exposed yourself and cried and had that heart to heart, open one-on-one conversation with that friend multiple times, sometimes before accepting that this isn't your friend anymore, you haven't really fought for that friendship yet. And, And it may be a friendship that doesn't isn't close enough or valuable enough to fight for, but for those really true diehard friends, like we, like Bethany said, don't just give up on one fight, but like do the work and do the internal work in yourself and have those really hard conversations with your friends before you make that decision that like, oh, this is not for me moving forward. And because they might be the one, like your healing can be the, the snowball they need and the, the visual they need to get to their healing. Because you guys aren't no, like me and my friends are not all in the same mental space. We don't have the same fears. We don't have the same triggers or traumas. So when you are able to be that kind of example of like, Hey, I'm doing this. Do you want to do this with me? Like, do you want to come alongside me? Cause like, I can tell you this is changing my life. And the majority of the time, like if they're close friends, like, and they're, they're paying attention and they want to be in that same frequency, they're going to do it too. They're going to be like, Oh shit. I have my own stuff. I got to figure this out. I love being in friendships with powerful women because they challenge me. I love being friends with women that are further ahead than I am in any area Mm -hmm. of life, whether it's marriage or finances or business or friend, you know, friendships or social life, like or creativity and expression. Right. I love it because it makes me go, wow, yeah. you are inspiring me. It makes me want to be a better person. Yes. And there is absolute truth to that saying that says you are the sum average of your five closest yeah. friends, the, pe- yes. the five people you spend the most time with, you will attain the same level of success as them. So mm-hmm. if you hang out with people who think very small, who are self-deprecating, who are gossiping, yeah. who are toxic, you're going to manifest that same that same energy and that yep. same reality in your life. And yep. so choose those friends wisely and yeah. know also that like, a big part of maturing in our walk with Christ is working through those hard situations and yeah. also knowing when you are worth more yeah. than chasing after somebody that is toxic. Yes. And when you can be your most authentic self and they show up and they're genuinely happy for you mm-hmm. when you do come to them with like, Hey, check this out. Like, look at this blessing. Look at this, what happened in my life. And they're yeah. showing up for you in the yeah. good and celebrating you and in the bad that's a friend that's really going to like the iron sharpens iron. The Bible talks about like when yes. you're going through that hard time and even though it's not comfortable, but you can have those conversations and they can show up for, for you and challenge you, not just be a yes man and tell you like what you want to hear. And like, I think as girls, we do that a lot. Like, oh, honey, you're just, you're fine. Like you're not fat mm-hmm. or you're great. We love you. Like we have that, like that pseudo, like compliment. Right, right. When in reality, what we might need is like, 
what are you what are you talking about why do you why do you think yeah. that about yourself like having yeah. those friends that actually challenge you and hold yes. the line like hold the line in the sand and are like why'd you That's say that me. about yourself <laughs> yeah oh I, I want being that friend like, I me too I'm like I want you in my life I want you yeah. to reflect to me when I am yes showing up when and I'm not in my authentic self and I'm you know, in I a think lower that's why I love our relationship so much Karen I talk about our friendship to like my other friends and I'm like I feel like very few friendships I've had in my life look like mine and yours where it's like we can be like super open with each other and be, like we challenge each other and still love and like respect yeah, each other and we and... disagree like we have yes. to work through stuff like yeah Wait, you believe this but I don't believe that like what yeah. I'm gonna challenge you on that <laughs> yes totally. and we like receive it in a way that's not offended or offense or say it in a way that's offensive like I just feel like I mean I'm gonna brag on us a little bit like I think we do that really well with each other yeah and I think women we would do we would it would be such a service that we would give to ourselves if we could have those safe boundaries because at the end of the day, like Karen, you know, I love you and I know you love me and we're like on a mission with each other. Right. And so when it comes to our other friendships, like, no, do you have to like build a business with them? No, (laughs) there's things that you guys have in common and you have your, you ride a similar frequency with them. Just like you said, like the, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. I, I want to address something though, with specifically Christian women, because I feel like this is a big thing especially when we're in like church world, right? And we see women with a microphone, whether it's the worship leader, whether it's the teacher, whether it's the speaker or the guest speaker, whatever. And there tends to be this identity of I'll never get there or she's not my friend. I have to be friends with her or that you no longer, whatever you carry is no longer worthy because you're not holding the microphone or are on the big stage. Yeah. And like we idolize I, them. Yeah. But then we're yes. secretly jealous of them. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I just want to reject that notion completely mm. because what you have to offer as a friend, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a mother, whatever wisdom God has bestowed on you is necessary for the people you encounter on a regular basis. That doesn't mean you won't ever be friends with that specific person or person who has a title of some sort. But I think a really beautiful way to address and enter into those relationships of like what you're saying, Karen, of like being in relationships with people who have more than what I like, have more information, have you know, wisdom beyond more me. influence. Yeah. More, more. influence is mm-hmm. that you do too. It just doesn't look the same. It just looks different. What Karen gives to the relationship versus what I give to the relationship is completely different. I could have come into this situation fully intimidated that Karen's got a massive following on her other platform and is doing all this stuff. But I recognize like I have, I have a really big gift in this as well. And so we have like one without the other doesn't work, you know? And so in relationships, we can think that way too. Yeah. It's, it definitely is a thing of like our weaknesses complement each other's strengths. Yeah. And 
I could not, this would never have gotten off the ground without you. Like we both bring something so unique so to unique. this fun mission, this, this business yeah. venture, this podcast. And I, I actually love it. I love that we were friends before we started it. Yeah. But we kind of rekindled our friendship. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> I was living. just thinking about like the Holy Spirit nights that we used to have, like I had imagine knowing then what we know now. Like, and this is yeah. just the beginning. That's <laughs> how I feel. I'm yes. like, baby, we are just getting started. <laughs> totally. Like I would have never guessed in, you know, seven, seven years later, we would be doing what we're doing and building what we're building. But that's the thing. It's like, it's not like Karen and I talked every week or what we saw, we saw each other probably like three times in between when we like used to live together and now yeah, and that was over the course of years, like five or six years. years. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we saw, I think I, every time I, there's you friends I out. have in, in California that I don't talk to them unless yeah. I actually fly out there and visit California, <laughs> which might happen every year, every two yeah. years. But you're one of those friends that I would totally yeah. call up and be like, let's get together. Let's have lunch or dinner. And yeah. now here we are talking every day about sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like every week I should say, but actually we talk a lot in between like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like we get off the podcast and we're like okay wait so what did you do with your husband yeah, wait, yeah. wait what happened how did that work <laughs> you guys yes, like yeah. if you even heard the behind the scenes I know so I know juicy. <laughs> I'm gonna make everybody jealous now of those conversations <laughs> I love just it. No. all that to say like there's you know whatever you bring to the table th that's the mentality we have to like really get rid of and sweep out from under the rug of this like jealousy or competition or what they have what their friends are bigger and better than me it's like it's so irrelevant because god doesn't care about yeah. your title he just oh, doesn't totally he you doesn't know? and he doesn't care about most of our offenses and yeah. grievances and bitterness and gossip he probably looks at us like oh, kids it's what like a mother doing? like when you when your kids are fighting and you're like Oh my God. Like you have one kid, so you don't know this, but yeah. I have three and my daughters fight. The two of them just are like always at odds. And I'm like, yeah. can you please, yeah. please just get along? <laughs> I feel like God yes, looks at so us like true. this sometimes. Like, can you, can you work this out amongst yeah. yourselves, please? Do you need yes. to throw a little hissy fit? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And That's so like tending to our wounds, sometimes we can lick yeah. our wounds a little too mm -hmm. long. <laughs> and then and there's I, no time to heal it because they, you know, they never get healed because you're too busy licking them. You yeah. Know? It's like, okay, there's a point where you need to grow up, stop licking your wound and a lot, like stick it out there and get oxygen on it and let it heal. Like, what does that healing process look like? I want to talk about that Yeah, because we've discussed like what this sister wound is what it can look like how how we can identify like are these friends friends for life or a season and how do we move on and the wisdom in that but then like when there is a sister wound that comes and happens what does the healing look like what does that healing journey look like and right. I love what you said you were just talking about this like when we can champion other women in their success and see that their success is enough for both of us and not feel like we have to compete with them. That's a sign that we've really healed when another woman wins and we can celebrate her truly yeah. like not just outwardly, but inwardly as well. 
That is such a powerful thing because we, not only does it show us that one, we're secure in who we are and the gifts we have and that's, and what we bring to the table. Yeah. But we also know that when I celebrate another woman, God also elevates all the women around her. Yes. When one rises, when one woman rises, we all rise. Rise. Yes. And if we could just get that, that this is not a competition, that we are actually so much stronger together. And Satan is terrified of women. Terrified. Mm -hmm. And so his main tactic is to divide and conquer. I can create division and conflict that's how he wins but when we come together and rise each and and elevate each other in a way that is like I'm also not afraid of your success and I think so many of us are afraid our fear of our own success our fear of being seen in ourself we project that onto another woman and we say oh she doesn't she's too she's too much she's She's too much of something. She's too successful. She's, oh, well, she must have a bad marriage because she's right. so successful or, oh, she's got such a great career. So her marriage must be bad or her marriage is so great, but, oh, well, she's yeah. just a, she, you know, she's got a sugar daddy. We have all these judgments. And when we right. see a woman rise, our own fear of success is projected onto her and we yeah. have to tear her down. Yeah. But when we see her rising and how it can actually inspire us to rise and step up more, we yeah. can then come up alongside of her and hold her up and champion her along. I love learning from women who are like, Mm. how does she do that? She just created like a brilliant business idea. She just created a successful thriving brand. She has the most incredible family and her children are so sweet and respectful. Like, how did you do that? Tell me more. Like, and when we can celebrate that and elevate that in other women, that's a sign that we are healing our sister. Wound. Yeah. And humbling ourselves to yes. other women, like being able to learn and receive from women who have gone through something that has been really challenging. I mean, I think that is, there's something so beautiful around that, you know, and I think women at our deepest core just want to be seen. You know, like we just want to know that people are paying attention to us and that we're like loved through it when we aren't, you know, in those, in the throes of healthy friendships with other women where, because the thing with women is we have face-to-face relationships and men have shoulder, shoulder to shoulder relationships. So men to have friendships with other men is very easy because they Mm. can go golf together. They can go play a sport. They can, you know, grab a couple of beers and watch a game, but they don't talk about intimacy. They don't talk about depth. They'll, they might talk about, you know, oh yeah, this is what's going on at work, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're not looking for feedback. They're not looking for emotional support. The majority of the time, that's not what's happening. Their friendships are where they work out together. They, their testosterone is like at a high, they're getting excited. And for women, when we are in true friendship, true relationship with women, it's face to face. And we're talking and we're getting into the depths of our emotions and our feelings and our frustrations. And our, we are, we are triggering our heart space. Yeah. And And that is how women heal. 
is by verbally processing. Yes. And that's where we have to check ourselves and do that little heart check and go, am I gossiping or Mm -hmm. am I healing? Because an unhealed sister wound is gossip, but healing the sister wound is vulnerably sharing and verbally processing. And that is truly how women heal. And it's not just the verbal processing, but it's the tears. Yeah. It's allowing yourself to become so open and vulnerable that you can actually cry and release that emotion. And what more beautiful place to do that than in sisterhood. Yeah. Cause it's not blaming it's feeling. So when we turn that around, it's not, this is what you did to me. It's, this is how it made me feel. And it's so much easier as a woman to respond to the feeling of another woman. It's so much easier to be empathetic than it is to be judgmental in that moment because you're like, I caused you to feel that way. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. There is empathy there. Yeah, and that takes trust and risk. It's not gonna feel always comfortable to do that. Yeah. And you might get hurt again. You Mm -hmm. might not be heard. You might not be understood. But when we show up like that, I promise you the gifts in those friendships when you work through that that hard stuff is far greater than the fear or the pain you had to go through to get to that vulnerable place. Yeah, completely. Um, I just want to share like something that happened to me this year that really healed the sister wound for me in a really big Mm. way. And I did not see it coming. I did not know this, that I even still had a sister wound that needed to be healed. And Mm. I never really identified with people who talked about the sister wound to me. It just was like, Oh no, I have great. I have friends or Mm. I, I, I have friends that have gone and moved on and there was no like big issues there. But after walking through COVID and all of the the whole situation, losing all my friends and moving all of these things. And there were there, I was at a retreat with three other women in a coaching group that I was in. This was like a mastermind group. And we had this like ceremony where we were sharing vulnerably, processing our fears. It was this beautiful container and this whole weekend getaway that I went to where we just shared vulnerably and like journaled and built each other up and celebrated one another and spoke life into one another. And when I say like to you about, I love hanging around powerful women. This was one of those weekends. Like these women were so powerful, so sharp, so like successful in their in their zone of genius. Like, and so we all showed up and I came with this intention to like, God has something here for me and I am here to receive. I I don't need to even know what the agenda is. I just am here to receive. And let me tell you, I received, there was one, one session where we were just in a tent and, and there was one session where a guest facilitator came and looked me in the eyes as I was entering the room we were doing this in. And she said, what is the medicine you seek or some question Mm. along those lines. And Mm. I kind of fumbled with my words and tried like in my head, tried to answer. And then in my spirit, I knew because I actually had the hit standing in line waiting for my turn to enter. And I said, you know, I know what it is. It's the sister wound. I'm, I feel like, wow, I need to heal the sister wound. I didn't even really consciously understood what that meant, but as I'm sitting there and it becomes my turn and she asks me to share. And I just share like kind of, really briefly, like just where I'm at and what my conscious brain was aware of. 
And I could, but I can feel the, I could feel the emotion. I could feel the pain. I could feel like, you know, this is, this is charged. There's something mm-hmm. here. And I'm thinking, oh, I've healed. I've grieved. I've let it go. Okay. I've, I have cried. I have not been avoiding this. I have cried and released and processed this pain. And I was at this threshold now of like receiving. Mm. It was like I had cleansed and detoxed. Mm. If that yeah. makes sense. I had detoxed. Like it was like this mold. It was like mm. this virus in my body of this wanting and longing and grieving and the pain of the rejection and the blood, all the uh, wow. ickiness. It was like, oh, I have to grieve. That process took almost a year for me to grieve wow. certain friendships that really just had to come to an end. And this was after multiple attempts of heart to heart, face to face conversations of Mm. trying to repair it, you know, a year of working through things and finally acknowledging like, okay, I have to let this go. And Mm. I'm sitting here in this tent of beautiful, empowered women who I'm realizing like, there's this, this healing that I, that I have this need that I've just kind of been, I've grieved and detoxed and I got the poison out, but now I need to receive. (laughs) And that was a point I had not come to yet because I had been happy and satisfied, but in, in where I was in life, also knowing I'm, I'm ready. I want to receive deep friendships. And and so, Mm. and these were also women that I wouldn't typically find in Christian circles. Most of them weren't even, you know, necessarily Christians or they had different spiritual walks than me and I'm here. And the facilitator turns to my coach who's leading and just says, you have her medicine. And she Mm. immediately connects with me and she says, Karen, can I hold you? Mm. And I'm like, yes. Like everything in my body was like, yes, I need this. And so I were in actually like this kind of tense room out, you know, outside like a bungalow or whatever you'd call it. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of crawl over to her. I lay in her lap and she just holds me and Mm. I immediately burst out in tears. And mm-hmm. I am like weeping, not just wow. like a, Oh, like a little, you know, like the little tear down your cheek, but yeah, like yeah. weeping and wailing. And the other wow. women all surround me and put their hands all over me. Like, oh. like they just literally wow, hold me. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, was, it was so wow. powerful. They just hold me as deeply as you could be held in a sisterhood mm-hmm. of women like this. And I felt so safe, but it was like this cork you know, came off. Yeah. And the the pressure was released. The pressure was released. And I just like unearthed all this emotion that was in there. And it was like, I purged like the last bits of this grief. I was truly like in a deeper way grieving, but this time I'm grieving while I'm being held by other Mm. sisters and they are receiving me and they are witnessing me and they are holding space for me. And they didn't even have to say a word. There was very little words like spoken. They just held me and like stroked me. It was intimate and like sacred and beautiful. And it was like Mm. the most pure love and sisterhood love. I'm like tearing up, just like recalling this. And I just, I just knew like, this is my medicine. This is what I need. This is like one of the big reasons, the reason I'm here. Like, and I had to, I stepped outside my comfort zone and and I'm like, I'm here to receive. And that's what God had for me. And he just knew Mm -hmm. like, you need to open yourself up to receive. I don't even know if you're realizing this, but you are like literally speaking to the feminine, like you 
entering into that tent, you sunk into your feminine and you were like, I am ready to receive. Yeah. And so literally that all of this has to do, like, if you are not tapped into your feminine energy, you cannot heal your sister wounds. Oh, yes. Yes. Otherwise we're tra- we're fighting and we're self-protecting and that's yes. masculine energy. That's yes. We gotta fix it. We gotta fix the problem and yeah uh and, and control it and, and yeah. protect our heart and our emotions and yes, healthy boundaries. But like yes, the feminine receives. And I just knew like that is my posture. My yeah. posture is I am here to receive. And there was nothing in me that said, like, oh, I need to put on a show or perform or say the right thing or do the the, 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 like none of that it was just like I am here and I am going to give myself permission to completely fall apart Mm. and I look like a hot mess and I sound like demonic like what the sounds like I'm just wailing (laughs) like what is this but there was nothing even I just knew I was so safe and so seen and so loved I yeah the doubt and the like those thoughts of like, well, what do you look like right now? What are you doing? Like none of that even entered my mind. It was just like, I am here to purge and grieve. And as I grieved, then I just started like, I was weeping and wailing. And then I started laughing as I received their love. And it was just like, like, I'm like crying and then I'm laughing, then I'm crying and then I'm laughing. And they are just holding me and like stroking me and loving me. And they had like flower petals, I think, and covered me with flower petals or rose petals. And I'm just like, it was, it was magical. It was like, this is what I needed to be deeply held in sisterhood. And I could not have gotten that healing with my husband or in a church service or right, like, right. it was like, no, I had to be deeply held and seen mm. and witnessed in and that way. What's cool is that the, th- their posture was not masculine and how they oh, yeah. held you. They actually received you. Yeah. So like, as you mm-hmm. were receiving, they still stayed in their feminine and received you just as you were. Oh, it was hundred percent feminine, and it was very wow. even. The woman I like laid in her lap. It was like almost a motherly anointing, and she's mm. even a few years younger than me. But I could recognize you have this mother anointing on you yeah. that is here to hold me. And then they all just embraced me as sisters, and like mm. spoke life over me and anointed me, and just like I don't even know. Like there was. It was magical. It was just magical. And I was just there to like receive. I knew the work was like deep. It was like deep Mm. in my soul. And I had to receive sisterhood in after the loss of sisterhood and the grieving of sisterhood. I had to then open myself up to receive. And that was such a deep work. And so I just wanted to share that with our listeners for whatever it's worth. Oh my God. Yeah. I I just so much. It's amazing. It was. It was amazing. And I want to, I just give glory to God in that because he gives us these gifts of women in our life. And they may not even always look like women that you think you would be deep sisters or friends with. And many of those women, I think were seasoned, like there for a season and not necessarily lifelong friends. Some of them I think are, but it was God could you can God could use anybody like yeah when we are open and ready to receive our healing yeah. Yeah. and our breakthrough it will come to us yep yeah absolutely oh my God I want to just like end there like I think that's <laughs> like an amazing place to just wrap this up because that was just so beautiful and so yeah. good <laughs> well we hope so. this blessed you guys 
yeah. and that you have some sacred takeaways from this and yeah. that whatever the work in your heart that needs to happen, I just pray that God could crack you open like an egg mm-hmm. and pour his love in and send sisters and friends and mothers to hold you as you heal. We'll see you guys in the next one.